There's more to you than your mental health. There's more to you than, than your mental illness or whatever you're going through. You will get through this, you know, this too shall pass. But for now, I'm really happy that I could help in some way. But I'm gonna just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome back to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Got a cool one today. The main interview is with a pretty accomplished guy for how young he is. Benjamin Ruvo is a, well, who knows at this point. Is he a sophomore? Is he a junior in college? Hard to tell with what's going on in education, but he is a college student. He is a college athlete who is very outspoken about issues of mental health. And I just I, I just applaud him so much. I think that's so cool. When I was his age, I was at my worst. That's that's when I was really struggling the most. And to think that he has turned that story on its head and instead is doing something incredible with it. He started an organization called Open Mind Gym, ran it for a year and a half almost, and then combined it with another organization, uh, The Hidden Opponent which you'll hear him talk about in this episode, and they're doing just fantastic work around the issues of mental health in the college athlete population. Our uh, conversation was a lot of fun. I had to cut out some pieces where we nerded out together on baseball. He is a uh, college baseball player. I played baseball through high school, big baseball fan, and so we sort of went deep on a couple of things and had to cut that out because nobody else besides us would find that interesting. So, oh man, thank you to Benjamin. Check him out. The links are in the bio as always, but also check out the, the, the places that he says on this. The shout out today is Brianna Venskis. Venskis, I'm terrible with these names. Here's what's funny is that I've seen her name written so many times, but I, I, I speaking it, I don't think I've ever heard. She was on a show, or still is on a show, that I like a lot, uh, or I liked the first couple of seasons were awesome, uh, and that is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a uh, really fun show about sort of a spinoff, uh, Agent Coulson, who I'm sure you all know from the movies. Really uh, enjoyable show. She plays a cool character on that. She was also on Walking Dead, where she was great, uh, and a couple others as well. She's had a nice acting career, and she's known for being Offset, uh, being very quirky and unique, and she talks about that in, in her shout-out, which is awesome. She was great, uh, and, and I, I really enjoyed what she, what she talked about. Enjoy both of those. You know where to find me, but I'll say them again. You can find me on my website, www.jshiffman.com, J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N.com. On LinkedIn and Facebook, it's just jshiffman. On Instagram, I'm the next Schiffman. On Twitter, it is JB Schiffman. Shout out about the bracelets. Those are still going well. Thank you for everyone, to everyone who has requested one. For those of you who don't uh, know or, or, or forget, 
go to my website, go to the contact me page and tell me your address and tell me whether you want a purple bracelet for addiction awareness or a green bracelet for mental health awareness. And I'm going to send it to you. It's that easy. You don't have to pay for it. It's just my way of spreading some joy during this tough time. But even more than that, reach out. I I was on a podcast that recorded last night. I'm recording this on the 27th. I recorded that on the 26th. It was in Australia because the woman reached out and said, hey, I run this radio show that we release as a podcast. Would you be down to record? It would be nighttime for you. Is that okay? And Yeah, I would love to. So reach out, you know, even if you just want to chat, if you think you have a story or you're doing something cool that would be good for the podcast, reach out. There's a couple of people coming up in the next few weeks who that's how they they got on this podcast. They reached out and they said, hey, I'm doing this thing that I think fits what you're doing. And here they are. Definitely reach out. Thank you to both of the people on today. I will catch you at the end of the episode. I think we're noticing a lot of people are kind of coming to terms with the fact that they maybe haven't dealt with a lot of things in their lives and they're sort of coming to a head while they're trapped in their homes. Taking care of yourself Making sure that you are doing the work that you need to to be the best version of you is absolutely crucial. Uh, And I often find that people who are in recovery tend to be a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to reflecting and sitting with themselves. Um, I know for myself, I take a lot of time just in my own life, even outside of situations like this quarantine, to really just be with myself and really kind of process and and sift through the thoughts that I have and, and where it is that I'm coming from and really questioning my motives and questioning why it is I want something or how I reacted to something. Uh, I I think that time to process is so, so crucial to you becoming a better person. And it really will benefit your mental health eventually, because the more you get in the habit of of being able to sort of put up a microscope to what you're doing, the more you're going to grow and learn from it and the easier it's going to make your life in the long run. I'm a bit of a loner, but I've definitely come to learn that I need to talk to people if I have an issue. If I'm, if I'm struggling with something, I have to reach out because if I just sit in my head and mull it over and mull it over, it's probably not going to be the best. So uh, support systems are great, even if they're not in the same room with you or the same house with you. It's crucial to have one. I don't know, mental health, man, it's, it's the best. It takes a lot of work. It'll be exhausting. It'll beat you up. You'll laugh. You'll cry. It, there'll be all sorts of, of emotions and feelings that come up for you. But I think in the long run, doing what's best for you is always key. Uh, For me, it's being creative and occupying myself with things that make me happy. Like I'm in this quarantine, I'm locked in my house, but you know what makes me happy is doing dumb little sketches and just being silly and running around. And that brings me the joy that I need to fill the hours of the huge, huge, huge problem that's at hand in our world, uh, which can be overwhelming, I think, if you sit with it for too long. For everybody out there who is taking the time to take care of themselves right now, keep it up. Keep going. I promise we're going to make it out of this thing. Um, And for those of you who are in programs and in recovery, uh, you guys are fighting the good fight. And I wish you nothing but the best, especially during these times. Are you ready to take your hemp experience to a whole new level? Because if so, I want to tell you about my sponsor, Mountain Made. Their puff line of smokable flour is unreal. They meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure only the highest quality product in the marketplace. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing tops strain-specific flour. It delivers the full range of all the amazing effects of CBD. I can tell you because I use it myself. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside of each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit whenever you smoke. 
So check out Mountain Made today and grab a puff. They're federally compliant with less than 0.3% THC, which means they ship nationwide. All right, I'm going to grab a puff and let's get back to the episode. So my name is Ben Ruvo. I'm a sophomore at Washington College. I'm a baseball player there. Um, So to get into my story a little bit, my OCD really onset probably when I was a child. I mean, I've always had some symptoms that I didn't really recognize until I was probably around a year ago. But the first really, when it really started getting to me was um, sophomore year of high school. I tended to get obsessions. Um, These obsessions are not typical. Like they're not what you'd think with OCD. A lot of the stereotypes of OCD is, oh, you know, that person's really clean. You know, that person locks a door and washes his hands a lot. Those aren't the symptoms that I had. Um, I have pure OCD. What that is, all internal and mental compulsions. So that's constantly ruminating and having like sexual, religious, or violent blasphemous thoughts that, you know, anybody would have. It's just a fleeting thought that you would have in your head. But somebody with OCD attaches meaning to those thoughts. So for me... I really associated myself with those thoughts and wanted to figure out what was going on. And that started, like I said, sophomore year of high school. It was pretty bad going into junior year was really when it hit its height. And I had my girlfriend at the time told me like, okay, well, you know, this is not, you're not doing well. Like you need to talk to somebody. I didn't want to open up to my parents, to anybody. I felt isolated. I was sleeping a lot. I was depressed. And then eventually I was, you know, my family decided, okay, well, you need to get, go to therapy and get help. So I ended up getting the help I needed. I went to therapy. They put me through exposure response prevention therapy, which pretty much exposes you to your fear or those intrusive thoughts. And it eventually habituates you to those thoughts where you really learn when you're there that it's not the thought that's like the problem. It's the anxiety because everybody has intrusive thoughts. It's the anxiety that you associate with it. So by going to the therapy, it eventually habituates you to those thoughts where you learn to live with the uncertainty of you know, maybe these thoughts are true but I'm not going to do anything to solve them. I'm not going to ruminate or keep thinking about them. And eventually, like I said, the thought habituates and your mind eventually disassociates with disassociates it with yourself and realizes that it's not important anymore. So that's kind of what happened with me in high school. And then by the time I got to college, I learned the proper you know mechanisms and proper tools for my therapist to kind of combat what I was going through and manage the symptoms because you know you're never you're never a hundred percent better. But you know it's, it's, it's a, you're on a spectrum. Mental health is on a spectrum. You have good days, you have bad days, but by going to therapy, it teaches you the mechanisms to combat the bad days and kind of work with what you have and make sure that you're doing okay and staying steady. I think you said something incredibly important that I want to harp on and and say probably 10 times a weekend. And that is, there is no hundred percent, right? I mean, I think that's something that people who, who have never worked through mental health themselves their only context is physical health, which is okay, you know, you break your ankle, you get to as close to 100% when it comes to the mental health aspects. I think that's really hard for some people to understand is that there is no such thing as 100%, right? And it's managing the best you can. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're going through it, you, you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, if I could just figure out this thought, then all my fears will go away and I'll be able to just live my life at, a, at, a, at 100%. You're constantly looking at that, like, okay, I need to get better. I need to cure this. Meanwhile, eventually you just have to accept, like, this is something that you have to live with and manage. And it's not something that magically one day is just going to disappear. 
but you can learn the proper tools to help yourself where, you know, you are significantly better and you do have the tools to manage those symptoms. So you're in high school, you've got this OCD that you're, you're wrapping your head around. And I, I got to say, as someone who's a lot older than you and figured it out a lot later, man, you, you kind of attacked that pretty quickly there and really got, it sounds like really took charge uh, and figured it out at a pretty early age. You then go to college, which can be a very tough and triggering time for people with uh, issues of mental health. My, again, I'm 100% in that box. What was that like? And, and take us, you know, you've graduated and what happened next? So I went to college and I had a lot of um, anxiety and doubts going into that for sure. But I invested in the therapy. I invested in what he told me. I had, if I ever needed to call him, I would call him or, you know, just learn, try to do the tools that he taught me. So I never really struggled that much my freshman year of college up until now. I've been able to manage it pretty well. Baseball can be a very lonely sport you know, and it's something that I personally loved and hated about it. You know, I loved being in the field where I was part of the team and I was a much better fielder than a, than a hitter anyways. But when you're up at bat, I mean, it's a very lonely experience. And for me personally, that was when I struggled the most was when I had to fight not only a pitcher whose only goal was to get me out, but also the insecurities that I'm battling inside my head. How has baseball been either helpful or, or tough for you as someone living with these, with these issues? Yeah, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've, I've had a very perfectionist personality trait, which, you know, is a lot, it's, it's actually different than OCD. Perfectionism is not OCD. It's a misconception that it is OCD. Definitely. But there are traits of perfectionism where it's like, it could kind of trigger some OCD symptoms. They're, se- they're two separate things though. So I've always had that perfectionist personality where I'm a high achiever type A personality. And in baseball in particular, I've always been really hard on myself. And, you know, OCD, it, baseball used to be an outlet for me, you know. It was an outlet to go to, to, to avoid it, to just play and just forget about these intrusive thoughts. And then, you know, junior year of high school, I eventually developed, you know, Rick Ankiel calls it the yips or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, Mark Waller's man. Yeah, where in my junior year of high school, I just, like, couldn't have a catch. In games, I was fine, like, because I wasn't thinking. In the game, you're just reacting. You're reacting to the ball and you're throwing it. When you're just having a catch, you're just literally thinking about the target. So that really got to me through high school. That was part of my OCD symptoms. And then by the time I got to college, that just went away. I learned, I learned how to, you know, combat that. I, like, I'm constantly working on myself with baseball and, like, you know, positive self-talk, learning what I did in therapy to combat that in games. And it's a craft that I'm still – you still work on. You, you keep on developing it. Some days are better than others. I also – it was either my junior, uh, sophomore or junior year, I went through the Yips as well. And I didn't know, I didn't have the, the understanding that you did, that it was sort of a, it all wrapped up together with other stuff I was going through. And it terrified me, man. So props to you for, for being able to sort of recognize that and wrap your head around it. And also props to you for reaching out. I mean, like I said, I didn't do that. How do we get from there to this incredible organization that you, you're a part of? Okay, so I started the organization in my library at college. I was on Twitter and I was like, oh, this, let me see if I could do something to help out. So I made a Twitter account, I made an Instagram account, I thought of the name and I started promoting it, just like doing small posts about athlete mental health and what athletes go through, asking people if they could follow it. And right away, I got a positive response. I started gaining some followers, people really enjoyed the content. And I was like, okay, well, I want to do something else. So I thought, okay, well, I can make apparel and then 
by people purchasing the apparel, I could donate to different organizations. And this was my way of being able to, you know, network and communicate with different people and hear what they were doing. So I made apparel and then I thought, okay, well, I just don't want to really just be a media and apparel account. I kind of want to do things and advocate. So I started building connections. Um, I've had three events at our school. I brought, I, br I brought in speakers for the events and, you know, I made some really cool connections with nonprofits and people in this community that are doing amazing things. And, you know, from there, I ended up partnering with Made of Millions, Made of Millions Foundation. And I do a podcast with them called The Lineup, which is centered around student athlete mental health. And then I've, you know, just through social media and networking through LinkedIn and stuff like that, I started meeting cool people, kept building on what I was doing, had, like I said, had the events at my school. And then I was given the opportunity with uh, Victoria Garrick. She's a mental health body image advocate. She went to USC, incredible volleyball player there. She graduated last year. Um, she was doing a similar thing as I was. And we both thought, okay, you know, we're both doing student athlete mental health advocacy. It would be really effective if we both used our, what we're both good at and our strengths and we united as one and started building it together. Because the big thing, you know, there's a lot of small organizations out there doing things and that's great and I love it. But in order to really make this movement grow is we all kind of got to get together and realize, okay, we got to do it for the common cause and realize like, okay, this is bigger than ourselves and our egos of our small of our small groups or whatever we're doing really grow it together you know the big thing is together and fighting for the cause eventually open mind gym which was my first organization we just merged last week with the hidden opponent and now we are only operating under the hidden opponent name we decided that was a good name we really like that name so open mind gym even though the name and the brand no longer exists the merge and the mission with the hidden opponent is still the same and we're still operating in the same way as we have we just felt like we could grow it faster and bigger working together. So our platforms and social media now, we have an Instagram account, The Hidden Opponent. We have a Facebook group, The Hidden Opponent. We have a student athletes Facebook group, a private Facebook group. And then we have a coaches Facebook group if they want to talk. And then we have a website coming out called thehiddenopponent.com. That'll be coming out shortly where we'll have all the stories from Open Mind Gym and The Hidden Opponent kind of all on one platform. And yeah, right now we're working through those platforms. I have the lineup, which is a podcast with made of millions that's on YouTube, but in terms of, and that's great. I really love doing that in terms of the hidden opponent specifically, we're planning on making more platforms with Twitter and LinkedIn, and I'll be working on that shortly. But for now we're, we're sticking with Instagram, Facebook, and a website. Awesome. You start your, your own thing. And that was about a year ago, right? Roughly a year yeah, ago? Like 14 months ago. Okay. And you just merged last week. Talk a little bit about, you, you said that most people were pretty receptive. You know, I know from starting to share my story now, almost six years, that the vulnerability begets vulnerability and the empathy begets empathy. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you to open up and how people have returned in, in, in kind? So yeah, the response I got was incredible. You know, everybody was really receptive. You know, what you said really is true, empathy. And clearly everybody together, everybody who, what was your term? Begets empathy. Empathy yeah. begets empathy and vulnerability begets vulnerability. Yeah, for sure. And that could not be more true. Um, when I came out with my story, it was really nice to see people, you know, responding and saying, you know, I really appreciate you coming out with this. I've been going through this and this really helped me. That's what it's all about for me. You know, it's, it's hearing those people, helping those people. That's my favorite thing when I log out a message. Like it really, it's unfortunate to hear that someone's struggling, but it's great to see that 
I help them in some way. And it's a lot of my friends who I didn't know were struggling message me and I, I enjoy that just as much, but there's something to say where when like a complete stranger messages you, it's just like something that's like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even know I was going to reach this person. I reached this person. It's an incredible feeling. Um, it's great to share my story. I, I like doing it. I love doing these podcasts just to tell people, you know, there's more to you than your mental health. There's more to you than, than your mental illness or whatever you're going through. You will get through this, you know, this too shall pass. But for now, I'm really happy that, you know, I, I could help in some way. So you do this by yourself for a year or 14 months. Yeah, I had a team through uh, my friends and people who want to get involved. But yeah, I've been, I've been running the show a little bit. I've been kind of trying to make, make our way and kind of build it. But everyone's been great. All my team has been awesome. I love what they do for, me, for us. So that's, that's, that's great uh, that you aren't, you aren't going alone. But you go from starting this idea literally in your library, you know, sort of uh, Mark Zuckerberg Facebook-esque, to combining with someone else. And now you guys are growing this, this you know, serious organization. What does success look like? You know, success for us, and we've talked about this a lot, is, you know, looking back and seeing like, okay, this has sparked the student athlete mental health talk. This has sparked the conversation. Um, And this is a group where people can go to and feel like, okay, this is the student athlete mental health group that we can go to. These are people advocating for us, for us. And, you know, just really moving forward with the cause. And we want to be that outlet for people to come together and talk and build a big community of student athletes to talk in and really connect with each other. So that's, that's our goal. Any, any way that can really push this agenda forward. Being a former athlete myself, you know, back, back in my day, it was, uh, it was sort of the, the suck it up attitude of that was part of the sport was the warrior mentality and not just baseball, but, but, you know, I was a cross country runner and, you know, I, I multiple friends that played on our soccer team on, on the basketball team. And there was no conversation around mental health. But is that something that you ever see, or are we lucky enough that you you are seeing this with your sort of the end of the millennial generation that you're just not hearing that message anymore? Yeah, you know, I I think that we've taken big strides in moving forward with this um, advocacy, and I you know that wasn't that wasn't that long ago. I know you say it was a long time. It was really not that long ago when you were going through that. You're in your mid thirties. That was it's still in the 2000s, you know, I mean, it's, we've really taken big strides over the years. And I still think that it's, it's still there, but it's getting much better. And we're definitely farther along than I thought we'd be by like a year ago, like from a year ago, we've made significant strides in mental health advocacy. And that's only been a year, you know what I mean? So it's exponentially growing. Yeah, there's, um, you know, for me, at least, like you said, I mean, it really wasn't that long ago, I graduated high school in 2005. For me, I, I first saw the progress, I, want, I think it was 2011 or 2012. I'm a Cincinnati guy. I grew up in Cincinnati, big Cincinnati Reds fan. Joey Votto very famously won the MVP award in 2010 and then missed almost the entire, I believe it was the 2012 season. He, his father passed and he was dealing with anxiety and went on the, the now they call it the injured list, but back then it was the DL I missed most of the season when there wasn't a huge outcry of, oh, this guy, you know, he needs to tough it out. That to me was like a holy shit kind of moment, you know, that we've made enough progress that this, this really well-known player can miss a significant portion of the season while struggling with mental health issues and, and people are behind him. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I agree with that statement. We, it's really, like I said, it's been growing even from a year ago it's grown significantly and there's just more and more organizations coming out, more and more stories coming out. 
And that's what's going to make the change. People coming out and sharing their stories and being vulnerable and showing that, you know, it's a five and five issue. You know, they always say one in five people struggle with this, but that's singling out one in five. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, it's one in five. I don't need to worry about that. We need to unite as one and realize, okay, well, like we, we're all part of this. It's a five and five issue. Everybody goes through something. Yeah. And I think that this time, you know, um, I try to keep the podcast not too current because this won't go out for a month, but you know, we can say that as recording this uh, in, in May, coronavirus is still here. Uh, and during this period, uh, there was a, I can't remember who published this, this article. It might've it it might been the times that that estimate went up to one and two during this time, because people are having their eyes open to, Oh, this is what anxiety is. Oh, this is, you know, so I, I think that that has been sort of an un, obviously an unintended consequence that is going to increase some empathy for people who are out in the open and talk about these issues and should, hopefully, we'll see obviously five, 10 years down the road, be a pretty big turning point in, in ending the stigma around issues of mental health. And I agree with that. That, that one in five number is, is BS. I mean, those are, it means that there's one in five people who are being open about what they, what they struggle with. It definitely does not mean that only uh, one in five actually go through some sort of an issue of mental health. Yeah, definitely. You make a great point there. I think that, you know, this pandemic, it's really unfortunate and it's really, it's a spike for a lot of people, especially a lot of people with OCD, you know, it's a big spike, but not just for people with quote unquote mental illness or mental health disorder, but, you know, just people on, who just go through everyday stressors, you know, everybody's home right now. It's tough being home after being out all the time. It's just a different, it's a change in life and change in life, whether you quote unquote have a mental illness or not is going to affect your mental health. So let's talk about OCD for a minute from two people who, who very different. Uh, I, you know, my, the way that mine presents and the way yours presents are very different, although we have the, the cycling thoughts and fixations in common. Is it hard for people? Have you found that it's hard for people to wrap their head around that in the way that they can, you know, um, depression, anxiety? Like these are things people can say, okay, I don't have that, but I get it. Have you found that OCD is different in that way? Yeah, I think that not as many people understand OCD as much just because it's not, it's, you know, it's become a very mainstream term, kind of like anxiety and depression, but the stereotypes that go along with OCD, like everybody can feel themselves being anxious. You know, you get a certain feeling, you know, when you're anxious. Um, I feel like anxiety is a little different than depression because depression is often misconceived but, you know, everybody, I feel like OCD definitely is something that's a little tougher for people to understand because they see all the stereotypes, they see movies on OCD, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was in a movie where yes, that's an OCD symptom and that's a type of OCD, which it's very important to realize that, but it's not the only one. And people use it as a verb, you know, like I'm so OCD, which doesn't make sense at all. You know what I mean? So, so I think there's still, it's definitely tougher for people to wrap their heads around what's actually going on. And that's why I think it's important to talk about it because you know, and I think that's partially because we don't talk about these other symptoms and these other parts of it because people don't want to talk about it because they think if they talk about it, people will look at them differently or think that they're, it's, the thoughts are actually true or something about them. And I think that's why we're so far behind if there's people coming out and saying, oh, like I go through OCD, but it's actually this. That's the best way to kind of approach it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that it's, it's so misunderstood and, you know, it's... Uh... 
it would be like if everyone who, you know, if, if someone's understanding of cancer was only stage four and it's like, all right, but you don't look like that. You don't, you don't have cancer. And it's like, well, <laughs> these are very different symptoms on a much larger scale. You know, I think OCD is very similar to Tourette's in that way, that it's an issue that, that people think they get because they've seen, you know, a character on TV or something that, that has it. And in reality, that is a very extreme presentation of something that, I mean, sure, it does look that way for some. And there's also other ways that uh, you can't see or you can't, you can't, you, are, you aren't nearly as perceptive of for, for many, many people. And I completely agree with you. And I commend you that, that speaking up about it and telling your story is the way that we, one, educate and two, break down that, that stigma and, and help more people who are experiencing this understand it and also feel comfortable to, to have those conversations. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important. The way to move forward with this is having these types of conversations and talking about it and sharing what you go through. And, you know, I make a point of that when I share my story on our website and whenever I talk about my story, because, you know, myself, I'm running a mental health movement. I'm trying to help student athletes and you got to practice what you preach. You know what I mean? You don't want to make it all about you, but you definitely want to share your story to show them like, oh, we're all in this together. All right, go ahead and, and shout out all the things again. Yeah, so you can follow us on our Instagram and Facebook platforms. Uh, Instagram, follow us at the Hidden Opponent Facebook groups. Follow us at the Hidden Opponent Student Athletes and the Hidden Opponent Coaches. Website, www.thehiddenopponent.com. And then I also do a podcast called The Lineup, which is a partnership and collaboration with the Made of Millions Foundation, where we interview different student athletes and talk about their own experiences in mental health. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin? Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, another episode in the books. How awesome was that? I really enjoyed my conversation with Benjamin. I just, I, I said this before, but I want to repeat it. I think it's so cool that a guy as young as him is doing what he is doing on the topic of mental health. I, I wish this was something that I started earlier, but not only that, it seems to me that there are many more young people willing to talk about these topics today, and that gives me encouragement. Ending that stigma is so incredibly important, and the more of us who tell our stories, the more of us who talk about these issues, the more of that stigma we can tear down. So props to Benjamin. Props to all of you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to reach out. What's going to be interesting to me is once 
we know for sure that COVID is over. I don't mean, I don't mean right now because it's not. I, it, it's boggling my mind that people have just decided this thing is over. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why people, a, a minority, by the way, it is a minority, decided that it's over, and so people went, oh, it's over. <laughs> they, they say it's over. This small group of people says it's over, so it must be over. What I'm trying to say is, when it's actually over, whether that's the fall, whether that's next year, whether we will have learned anything, and I want to think that we did. My wife and I had a long discussion late last week. I was feeling very discouraged because I was feeling like seeing all these pictures about people going to the beaches, seeing all these pictures about people going and sitting in bars, like nightclubs here in in Charleston were packed. And it just floored me in a bad way. Because it made me realize or made me think we didn't learn a thing. And I want to think that's not true. And so conversations with guys like Benjamin give me hope because it it does show that there's progress. And so in honor of that, the pack I'm using today is the Believe in Yourself pack. Again, as always, brought to you by Blurt. They don't pay me to say this. I just say it every time because they're amazing. And I use their materials all the time. So Blurt, check out Blurt. The Believe in Yourself pack is great. I've used it before. It's one of the newer ones that I've got, and I like it a lot. So you hear me shuffling? Here is your card for today. Sometimes life really and truly sucks. (laughs) This is timely. But it isn't a reflection of you. You don't suck. The circumstances do, not you. How you feel isn't who you are. Thank you, Blurt. That was needed. And it is timely, and that's what I was just talking about. I was feeling discouraged for a couple of days. I had a argument about that with my therapist because we had different views on the reopening. And by the end of the conversation, we had come to a place of agreement. But he understood why I was discouraged, and he he kind of was like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I get it, you know? The good egg for today is going to go right into that as well. This is one for you. This isn't one for someone else. This is one for you. Your good egg is say yes to yourself. Now, whether that means stepping outside of your comfort zone, whether that means allowing yourself to feel a way that you've been fighting, whether that means simply saying yes to an opportunity that you think is a good one, but you're scared. Allow yourself to say yes sometime this week. I <laughs> I just got done recording a podcast interview that um, it was interesting. It was interesting. It was uh, an older gentleman who is retired, and in his retirement, he's doing a podcast about mental health. And it was... I said yes, because that's my rule when it comes to these opportunities is it doesn't matter right now for me. I will say yes to anyone who wants to talk about mental health or addiction, not just for podcasts or for interviews, but just if someone wants to chat, I will say yes. And this one was interesting. He, he, he's struggling with some stuff and he was very forthright with that. And I love that. And 
I, I told him how much I appreciated that. But it was interesting. And was it a great opportunity? Probably not. Was it a good conversation? Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad I did it. So I think it would have been easy for me to turn it down to be like, this podcast isn't worth my time or something ridiculous like that. It would have been very easy to do that. But I didn't. I said yes. And I'm glad I did. We had a great conversation. So allow yourself to say yes. Also, extra good deed. Go check out my very, very, very good friend, Spark Tabor's podcast, Cookies for Breakfast. I was on it over the weekend. It came out on Monday. I'm not going to put it out as a special episode for this because it is very different than what I do on this podcast. And it's not quite appropriate. So, um, you know, Grandma, if you're listening, not the podcast for you. But for everybody else, go check it out. We had a good time. He and I chatted with our, our third really close friend. It was a lot of reminiscing and catching up in a, in a very fun way. So go check it out. Cookies for breakfast, wherever you can find your podcasts. Uh, I think the episode was called like, do you remember this or something like that? So check it out. It's fun. Go laugh to it. And as always, reach out and choose your struggle.